Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Burge. Today, David Morrison and I continue our Pathways to Present series. Um, this year, we are diving into the book by Thomas Keating, uh, Open Mind, Open Heart. And we are talking about the history of centering prayer, um, how a contemplative lifestyle was a big part of the church uh, for the first 1500 years and how that has shifted um, to modern day um, and sort of the uh, revival, if you will, or um, acknowledgement that uh, there are many people out there craving that uh, part of their life. And before we get into that, though, thank you, Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is a place to go. drcrpod.com is a place to go for other episodes. Um, If you want to purchase David Morrison's book, dreamwalkerway.com is a place to go for that. Uh, Desolate Beauty, a book of light and shadow. And we are also, we have also posted all of the American Sign Language translations on YouTube. Uh, So if you search Dreamwalker Way in the YouTube search area, Dreamwalker being one word, uh, you can find those translations. Um, If you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you. And let's get into it. Welcome back. Hola. Hola. (laughs) Desert Rain Community Radio. David Morrison. Como esta? Bien. What's today? It's Tuesday. It is a Tuesday. It's a beautiful day. It is. Out here. Turquoise blue sky. Still on the precipice of spring and winter. Not too hot. Not too cold. And the temperatures are going to drop this weekend. Yeah, apparently. But I'll enjoy this. The, the, I'll enjoy the winds, this 80 degree. Winds of March that come on the Ides of March and St. Patty's Day. That's Patty with two D's, not two T's. <laughs> and a saint. <laughs> and he's a saint. Don't, don't be forgetting the saint. Uh, so we are on. Did I already say this is Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge? I don't remember. No. Okay. Well, this this is it. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. Most of the people listening are probably familiar, so you already know the name. Um, and this is part three of our Pathways to Present series for 2023. We are um, looking at centering prayer and breaking down, or not really breaking down, but maybe recapping would be the right word. Um, open Mind, Open Heart by Thomas Merton. Kitty. <laughs> Thomas Keating, thank you for the correction. Um, and today, chapter three. Where, so for those that don't know, I, I, I know I recap this every time, but uh, last year we used a, a book and sort of used it as a guide map for discussions for um, this Pathways to Present series. And this year we're doing the same thing and um, looking, I, I mean, it's just an in-depth dive into centering prayer. And this week, the chapter was specifically about the history 
of um, contemplative prayer, um, sort of the the uh, the early centuries of Christianity. It was it was uh, embedded, I would say, into the thing, and it it, it in the recent centuries it has shifted, um, and we'll discuss on discuss some of that today and um, talk about as we've done before lectio divina and centering prayer because both of those things came up in the in this this month's chapter um, but yeah maybe maybe you could lead us off David with this um, so I I think most people that are familiar with modern day Christianity um, popular modern day Christianity, maybe was a better way to, to preface it is, is that this idea of like meditation or contemplation isn't, isn't really built in, um, to it, you know, especially in the United States, when you, when you bring up meditation, um, people automatically think about the East, uh, Eastern religions, Buddhism, things of that nature. Um, and so maybe you could set the table, um, sort of with this idea of that, this idea of meditation or contemplation, uh, and just for those listening, I'm going to go back and forth. Uh, Keating uses contemplation in his chapter. Um, David can use whatever terminology he is, but I, I am going to bounce back yeah. between meditation and contemplation because they, they, uh, in my mind, they represent a very similar thing. And, and you know, maybe you could make an argument that they're different. But um, for this today's discussion, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll use or I'll use both of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so maybe you could set the table in the sense of like. Uh, why was it, or not why, but um, just the fact that it was part of Christian uh, religion in the in the early days, yeah. um, the early centuries um, of it, and then we'll talk about the shift that came about. And it actually kind of ties back to the Phyllis Tickle conversation we had last week because she talks about some of that stuff as far as right. the individualism of of Christianity. And, and anyway, so Mr. Morrison, take it away. <laughs> yeah. And, and for listeners that might be new to these kinds of terms, contemplation, Lectio Divina, uh, centering prayer, mysticism, Christian mysticism. Um, and, and, and if you're new to that and you, and you're trying to figure that out and the terms can't you can't seem to get a concrete definition that's probably not your fault yeah well because they're they're interchangeable (laughs) terms and different people use them differently for uh you know for whatever purposes they have or their audience that's a good so if you're confused that's fine that's part of the process and 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 uh so yeah so i thought i'd throw that out there uh yeah, so so there is there is a including myself. I had the the assumption that centering prayer, as Thomas Keating teaches it, you know, he he wrote his first books on this topic, I believe, in the nineteen eighties, um, and it's and it's easy to assume that this is just uh, this idea of being still, uh, focusing on one sacred word giving consent to the presence of God and just sitting either by yourself or with a, a group of people intentionally quiet and still, uh, that that is a borrowing from Buddhism or a, or a stealing from, mm. uh, you know, Eastern models mm-hmm. of meditation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, except it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. it, really, it really does have a very long 
history uh, in the West, you know, and specifically in Christianity. So it's not a, you know, and 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 I've I've actually had conversations with people who say who say things like, uh, well, I've never heard of it, so <laughs> it must not have. You know, and well, Christianity is 2,000 years right. old, and then it has another, I think, 4,000 years rooted in Judaism as well. And so, because you can't divorce Christianity from yeah, they go Judaism. Hand in hand. Uh, and so, because it came out of Judaism, you know, and so, <laughs> you well, know, so you can't, so you can't just say, yeah, well, I've never heard of it, therefore it doesn't exist. I've heard people tell me, uh, well, being quiet, that's not real worship. Uh, that's not real prayer because they didn't experience it. So, uh, so yeah, a similar thing happened to me with terminology maybe, but when, when you guys talk about worship, like people from the vineyard background, right. You were talking about the music. Yes. I didn't put almost exclusively. Yeah. Right. I didn't put that together. I don't know when I put that together, but I remember one day I, it dawned on me because I just assumed it was the entire church service, right? Was worship, yeah. But but very specifically, it's that that term is used for the music, yeah. Um, time that to, uh, anyways, that it's a good example of like you know, I was unaware like that that had a very specific meaning. Yeah, it's very compartmentalized. In this is the worship time. Yeah, exactly. What did there you think you about the worship set? They have a set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do try, you know, uh, in their defense. Uh, they do try to say it's all worship. Your lifestyle becomes worship, mm-hmm. and the preaching of the of the word is also worship. But it, everybody in those circles, yeah, it's the singing time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was specifically a worship leader that told me that mm-hmm. one time. Uh, being quiet, you know, because we're talking about Quakerism, and you know, that's their entire yeah. gathering, of right? Of course, it's, it's so beautiful. The whole two hours, or is uh, the one I went to was an hour, and I think. Maybe because they did like announcements like every church. Right. So I think maybe 45 minutes of it was silence. And then they give time for people to witness, to speak what they. Well, it just happens during it. If you feel called, you just stand up in the middle of it. So so you could have, you could have 45 minutes of pure silence or you could have 10 minutes. Someone speaks five minutes. Someone speaks 20 minutes. Someone, you know what I mean? Like that math doesn't work out, but um, so you could have multiple people speak during that 45 minutes or. You could be completely signed and you could have one person speak or 20 people speak. Yeah. So it's, it's every week it's different, but it's, it, 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 yeah. And they call it worship. Yeah. Quaker worship. Yeah. So I guess, but if anyways, we're but, getting, if we're modern, <laughs> but if some modern, but if some charismatic evangelical says it's not, I guess it's not yeah, right. So that's there it is. right. So anyway, so it does have a very long history. Thomas Keating's specific model of centering prayer that he teaches and, and keep in mind, Thomas Merton, who taught on con- contemplation and and uh, contemplative scene, whatever, uh, did not give a model of prayer. He never mm-hmm. gave a formula. So Keating gives an actual. And that's what this whole book's about for those. Right. That are yeah. Not, not and, and contemplative outreach, the organization, which we're not affiliated with. They would. And I doubt they'd want to be affiliated with us. <laughs> I uh, I would, I, and I respect that. <laughs> but but they put themselves out there. They're in the public so we can talk about them. And uh, but his his specific model of 20 minutes uh, focusing on a sacred word. When your mind gets distracted, you bring your focus back to that sacred word. Uh, that's specifically from a text in the medieval period 
uh, in England called The Cloud of Unknowing um, by an anonymous monk. And that's where that model comes from. So Did I, I tell you I picked up a copy of that? What's that? I, I picked up a copy of that book. Oh, no, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so that's where his model comes from. and uh, But it goes back even further than that. There's mm-hmm. this idea of contemplative prayer. Um, you can you can go back to the some of the Hebrew roots, which would be uh, in, in Psalms, where it says, I want to behold your face. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells God, I want to behold your face. Uh that that's an amazing that because that means in the Jew, uh, Jewish tradition that means it's a wordless gazing, uh, and it's also an imageless gazing. So that's mm-hmm. that's a crazy idea, right? Uh, so because there is no quite, image quite profound, in Judaism, right? right? right. There is no image of the Godhead, uh, and there is no utterance of the word mm-hmm. of the name of God mm-hmm. or names, uh, and there is no uh, which which means there is no concept. No, no concrete idea of, and so this gazing, which I, I'd, I'd have to, I've looked it up in the past, but, uh, but to behold your face, to gaze upon your face, and, and then so it co- goes over into the Christian tradition, where Paul, you know, a Jewish rabbi, uh, who was Hellenized, uh, which means he had Greek, educated in, mm. in the Greek world as well, okay, uh, Hellenized Jew, uh writes in, in Corinthians uh, to behold the face of God in the face of Christ Jesus, mm. to, to behold the beauty of God in the face of Christ Jesus. So there's, there's that, con- con- that's a contemplative tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, even, I mean, even in the gospels, it, when it talks about Jesus went alone right. to pray. His and, practice of solitude. Yeah. And, and, and I think, the, I mean, who am I, but I interpret that as him, going to do some of this contemplation and right connect, you know re you know gaze on the on the the face yeah. of, of God right and and Keating you know he puts it all the way back to the 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 practice of lectio divina mm-hmm. uh, which is in the you know I believe it was origin of Alexandria which would have been the third century mm-hmm. who began to to write down the steps of this. So that means it's it predates even that, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm guessing here. I'm not a scholar, so right. you know, and I'm not the son of a scholar, but I think a lot about these things. Uh, I don't think any scholars would listen to us here. Well, so if, they could, if you are, correct yeah, me if I'm reach wrong. Reach out. We'll, but, we'll do we'll do we'll do a guest appearance. <laughs> but, but the so called the the so called church father origin of Alexandria, you know, that's Alexandria, Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, which was a Greek and Roman, later Roman, but Greek cultured city. So he was a Gentile. He was, he was mm. a, a Greek thinker, uh, reading Hebrew texts as well because of the, the Christian mm-hmm. connection. Um, and so, so there, so my contention is, well, all I'm trying to say is that that Lectio Divina probably has roots in Judaism, mm. uh, rabbinic tra- practices of, you know, uh, where you read in the, in the law, bind these words to your, to your heart, bind mm. these words to your mind. Okay. Uh, to the point where they would physically do this. They would wear devices on their foreheads, some Jews, with, with the Shema prayer on it. Mm. Uh, the, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your, with all your mind, heart, and strength wear it on their <laughs> physically on their head. Uh, and so, so there had to have been a, a prayer meditation practice in mm-hmm. Judaism. 
and and I'm also saying there's probably one in the Greek uh, philosophical tradition right. of those schools. And so, so it's very possible that Lectio Divina is a combination of, mm. of those two is what I'm saying. All the way back to, yeah. Overlapping the of Second those, century even. Of uh, those practices coming together. Yeah. In or growing up in Christianity, yeah. so to speak. And the emphasis on, not on creeds and doctrines and, and not the scripture or the Bible itself, that wasn't the center of the early church if you read the New Testament, if you mm. read the Christian scriptures. If you check the scriptures. <laughs> yeah, it's so bizarre. They don't mirror the back The claims on that modern people make about it are not in there. Uh, but the emphasis is on contemplation, which is mm. experiencing the presence of God an experiential knowledge of God, a knowing of God. Paul writes in Philippians, I want to know him mm-hmm. and the power uh, of his resurrection and to have joint fellowship with his sufferings. So, that, so it's an experiential knowing of God, not ideas about God. You, you see the difference? And that's, so that's contemplation. And for you personally, that was what was so appealing to the Pentecostal movement, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is, is this, this uh, chance to experience... Yes, God, you know, exactly. and he, even in recovery, I mean, I, I, I was attracted to that, to the recovery program for different reasons. Cause I was killing myself with drinking, but even there that we, we talk about having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps. Yeah. So it's not study the scriptures and something like, you know what I mean? It's, right, it's very right. much about, sure. There's a book and it's, it points you in the right direction, but at the in step twelve, it talks about an experience, right? And a transform. It, it doesn't use the word transformation, but that's what it's alluding to. Yeah, which is you know, which is exactly what you're alluding to right now. Yeah, is the scriptures talking about having an experience and a transformation? And so that was the so that's what Keating is is saying is that the first fifteen hundred years of Christianity that was the emphasis. Uh, other other scholars we've talked about them have talked about the beginning it was the age of faith, uh, mm-hmm. and then it, and then it quickly went into the age of beliefs, mm-hmm. and there's a difference, right? And so, uh, and so around yeah the the 1500s it began to to shift uh, away Which, from contemplative experience and into what he calls discursive meditation, or. Uh, um, Mental prayer, if you will, which aligns with the Reformation. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and so if you <laughs> if you want to dive into that, you can listen to last or two weeks ago. Now, I guess if you're hearing this last Tuesday of the of March, March fourteenth, we released an episode about Phyllis Tickle. Yeah, about the emerging. Um, and she, uh, she references that change at yeah. 1500 as well. And and you and I, we talk more about the present day stuff, but we do cover the, what, what occurred around the 1500s as well. But and, and, yeah. And I don't think it was a conspiracy that they, right, you know, right, 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 they right, wanted yeah, to, yeah. to put down the direct experience because then a, B and C will happen. No, I think it was just a result of the way history goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, th- uh, I've heard, I think it was a Thomas barrier writer. Um, who said the 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 Black Plague had a lot to do with theology? Mm. You know, when you see whole villages throughout Europe mm-hmm. completely decimated, mm-hmm. then you you don't, you're not going to see nature as being your friend. Mm-hmm. 
or as God being involved in any way in nature when everyone's dead from some mysterious from who knows at illness. the time they didn't yeah, even know exactly uh, so so there became so there was already a suspect nature and 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 those kinds of things were already suspect and then and then yeah the industrial revolution so we get out of an agricultural agrarian start to move out of those things slowly mm-hmm. uh, you know the uh, in the modern period mm-hmm. uh, and, and the early industrial revolution um, and and so and and then the publication of Galileo's letters which is the beginning of modern science really mm-hmm. uh, you know then we're talking about uh, a, a lot of demystification mm-hmm. right well and, and coupled with that um, the emphasis on the individual that too you know, yeah which, which, yeah. which has only yeah. grown as technology has grown right so right. not even so yeah modern day like internet technology has empowered the individual, yeah. but even, you know, even having a vehicle, having, you know what I mean? Just right. going backwards. To, even, you know. even having a concept of I and me, mm-hmm. I mean, Precisely. I mean, they don't consider, uh, I think it was, uh, Thomas Cale considers, uh, Augustine's confessions as the first authentic, true I mm, personal I as a person ever written in, in history. And what time frame uh, would that have been around? That's pretty early. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say fifth century. Okay. So, you know, but that's just, but it wasn't, yeah, the Enlightenment period, mm-hmm. the 1700s, the concept of, of the individual. Yeah, that's when it begins, at least in the Western world. Precisely. Right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what we're discussing. Cause, yeah, cause, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Keating does talk about modern day people rushing to the Eastern religions because of this idea of contemplation or meditation. Um, And he used that as an example. I don't remember who he was talking about, but someone sort of towards the end of their life talked about um, they originally thought that this uh, desire or want for contemplation. Right was not as widespread, but as they aged and got older, they realized it was far more widespread yeah, than they had originally thought. True hunger for it, yeah. uh, particularly in the 1960s in this country. Uh, and again, it's, it's, it's larger forces at work. So you have the Korean War. Mm-hmm. They prefer to call it the conflict, I suppose. The Vietnam conflict, I guess not as many people die as badly. Uh, as their skin is being burned off by Naples. Uh, don't call Naples it a war, war. though. Uh, so anyway, so so those two wars specifically, uh, you know, this country, if you if you look at its history, it's very anti-Asian, uh, anti-immigration, or or uh, what am I trying to say here? I- immigration laws that were anti-Asian for a long period of time from the 1800s mm-hmm. and onward, not even allowing uh, these populations. Uh, or when they do, they have, they're basically slave labor for the railroads. Right, exactly. And the Japanese internment camps, those yeah. people were never paid back for the yeah. properties that were taken from them. And so, so there's, so there's this history of that, but then because of the Korean and Vietnam war, well, you had American uh, uh, servicemen, mm-hmm. uh, army specifically uh, marrying Vietnamese women and marrying Korean women. Mm-hmm. So they needed to bring them back 
to the states. Right. And so these laws had to be relaxed, the immigrant, the anti-Asian immigration laws. And so then that naturally brought in an interest of, of Buddhist, uh, you know, Buddhism, Taoism. When I, uh, I think even, even just bigger, the Asian, um, not just the religions, but the culture as a whole. Yeah. Being, you know what I mean? Coming in and, and people being very interested in it. Yeah. Um, it's not everybody obviously. Right. But, but certain people being intrigued and enthralled by yeah. uh, Asian culture, which is an amazing culture. Right. And, yeah. Uh, Those Japanese, they seem to have their shit together, <laughs> <laughs> but they also, you know, there's, there's been a long dialogue between Christianity monastics specifically and mm. Buddhist practitioners. Right. And, right. And there, there's been exchanges of, of practice as well. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, the prayer beads that, that Buddhists use mm-hmm. was adopted from the rosary. It, it went that way from the West. Uh, and so there's there's all kinds. Of, there was, I can't remember the some of the older ones that went East to West. But uh, but yeah, there's been an exchange. Well, I think for the greater, the bigger conversation we're having here is, is how regardless of the, the road you take, towards contemplation or meditation there's so many similarities right it's different than saying like oh uh buddha you know the the old saying that oh all religions are the same you know and blah blah yeah, blah yeah. that's not that's not true at all and it, it as you've pointed yeah. out before it, it that can be an offensive statement yeah it's insulting to a um but with people dedicated to this idea or this life maybe is a better way to put it of contemplation and meditation yeah. there is actually a lot of crossover and that's why you would see things such as going back and right like right, yeah. being like oh that that's an interesting yeah, idea. i'd like let's, to adopt that yeah let's adopt <laughs> that into to the way we do it and vice versa yeah. and because i think at a certain point when you've spent however many hours in contemplation and meditation you get to the same place right you know what i mean and i'm not necessarily saying that from my own experience it more of of witnessing other people and reading yeah. other people talk about these things, but it's, you know, yeah. It's, and it's a sensitive issue, you know, cultural appropriation. There are gatekeepers who will mm-hmm. call you out on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, you know, like, uh, like the scholar, uh, and professor Chuck D <laughs> said, uh, so he wrote a song about, uh, Elvis stealing African-American music. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they interviewed him on, on that and asked him and he said, well, he said, it's just a point I was making, mm-hmm. not some, uh, and I'm paraphrasing him, right. but he said, I, you know, uh, but black people are allowed to listen to Beethoven, <laughs> right? you know, so yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like I'm saying, uh, you know, black people can only listen to yeah. black people music and, and this is what black people music looks like. And this is what white people music looks yeah. like. Uh, so it becomes a, you know, it, it, it just kind of breaks down and doesn't work. You know, when you, I mean, there, there can be a blatant fetish which is the reverse of racism, right? The other side of the coin of racism, yeah, right, yeah. A, a fetishizing of, and so I'm not talking about that, right. but, a, but an even exchange of ideas and practices in a dialogue, which means two dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, two equals. That's what I'm talking about. So anyway, sorry. I didn't no, no, that. that's, I mean, that's, that's a valid point um, for with, within this conversation. Of, yeah. Because modern evangelicals tend to fetishize uh, Jewish culture mm. completely. Interesting. But they secretly don't believe they're going to heaven. 
<laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. So we like you guys, but not that much. Yeah, we only like you because <laughs> you fit into a certain theology that we invented. And yeah. yeah. And so it's that's absolutely disrespectful and offensive. And, and so um I we've talked about both of these things on the podcast, but I don't I don't know if we we've really um compared them. And so going back to this idea, to this practice, not it's not an idea, it's a practice of Lectio Divina right. and this practice of centering prayer. Right. Um, maybe you could give the the elevator pitch of of how are they similar, but I think more importantly, how are they different? Yeah. And and when you know when you're applying them to your life. So um yeah. So so you're asking me the difference. Compare, where, compare where does contrast. centering prayer fit into the Lectio Divina steps? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, uh, just more of like in as practices, right? They're two separate practices. Right. Um, what are? Let's start with this. What are the difference between if someone's about to do sit down and do Lectio Divina, and someone's going to sit down and do centering prayer? What are the distinct differences between the two? We'll start there. Yeah. Well, centering prayer would be skipping the first three steps and just going to the fourth of Lectio Divina. So, so maybe you could paraphrase the, the fourth step. So yeah. Because so we, we have gone over Lectio Divina okay, a lot. So, yeah. um, so for those listening, sorry if you've, if you've heard this before. Yeah. But, but it's, I think for this episode specifically, it's an important thing. So if you could give the, the four steps. Yeah. Um, and the, and yeah. So again, it's an ancient monastic practice. Uh, so you, so you take a text of scripture and originally it wouldn't have even been the person reading it. It would have been uh, memorizing it from mass, hearing it mm. read at mass. So, because that's another reason why literacy yep. and the printing press also changed so much uh, for the good. And the, yeah, but what was lost is what mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. contemplation is asking. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah. So the first step would be listening aloud to a passage being read of scripture. Usually it's, it's recommended to be a short passage. Uh, and so it's usually read a few times and then some silence after that, you sit with it in silence. Then it's read a second time. This is the second step, which is meditatio or meditation. What does it basically mean to you? What, what images come up? What word or phrase of that, of that scripture? If, if you bring in, he mentions in his chapter, Ignatian, exercises of spirituality so you would you would employ your imagination if it's a gospel scene uh put yourself in the places of of the different players in the in the passage if if it's that kind of a reading uh use your 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 senses you know your smell uh taste and see you know that kind of thing incorporate all those things so that's meditation you might, if you're doing it with a group, you might share it out loud mm. uh, as people feel free to do feel that. Feel called to. So then you sit with it again in silence, and then you move into the third stage, and which is uh, oratio or prayer. And in this case, you're hoping that this scripture on meditating on it and sitting with it would stir up a, a deep prayer, an authentic prayer. Uh, the Eastern... Uh, spiritual, the Eastern Orthodox in Christianity, not Eastern uh, Buddhism, right? Uh, and Taoism, 
the Eastern Church would say the mind descends into the heart at this point mm. and it explodes, you know. And so then uh, maybe you, you can get a prayer that would come out of it. Uh, it's based on Romans 12. We don't know how to pray the way that we should. We don't know how to pray, period. So the Spirit prays through us with groans and utterances that are too deep and beyond words. So, but you may be able to catch up with it. Right. And, and voice a prayer in, you know, with your mind. So then that's that. And, you know, and, uh, and I think he calls it affected prayer, right? Mm. Which means there's emotions involved, uh, that kind of thing. And so then you sit with it again in silence after that third reading. Uh, and then you read it a fourth time. And this time you're out of words, you're out of concepts, and you just sit in the presence of, of uh, Christ in the word, the logos within the, the word. And, uh, and that's the fourth stage. That's, that's centering prayer. That's uh, contemplatio or contemplation, which is a resting. It's a beholding beyond words, beyond images, uh, beyond concepts. And you're just resting in the presence of God, uh, being transformed by love, understandably being transformed by peace, becoming the peace. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I guess the one thing that I was, I was trying to lean into was when you do, when you're not doing the Lectio Divina, you're just doing the centering prayer. Yeah. You have that sacred word. So you're not so much using a scripture as part right. of, yeah, you, 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 have, you have that, that sacred word that brings you back to the moment when you're, cause your mind's going to wander. Right. right, so right. That, that was kind of the, my original question. Oh, sorry about so, that. No, no, that's good. So you're asking what the centering prayer process is according to Keating? Is that? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think at this point, it, you you laid out the, the, um, Lectio Divina. Okay. So yeah, so if you, I mean, if so if you want to lay out the, the centering prayer as, as Keating sort of lays it out. Yeah, so his is a, a 20 minute sitting, either alone or with a group. Um, According to the cloud of unknowing, the you know the the text I mentioned earlier, you have a sacred and there's nothing magical about the word. It's not a, a uh, it's not a mantra as in like in Hinduism. It's not. It's not gifted to you by someone by your yeah. by your guru, your pastor. No, it's just simply a <laughs> mental device in in this tradition. Uh, and so you know, and, and so I recommend when I when I do spiritual direction conversations with people and they want to do this i recommend to not use a a word that has a lot of mental baggage to it mm -hmm. so like my word is usually shoes mm -hmm. because it's not you know shoes and, and i don't respond to words anyway so usually i use just a dot mm -hmm. you know i see a dot and that's that's it but even then you can get into well that dot it's the it's the it's the pale blue it's dot it. suspended on a sunbeam on the you know and I hear or Carl Sagan talking yeah. in my head or it's the spirit tip of the entire universe yeah, starts in yeah. that single dot and it, it's it grows all of out my troubles there. it's all of my troubles all and which is fine you just let those thoughts fly over your head you don't suppress them you don't repress them you don't hold on to them uh, in any way you don't you don't uh, berate yourself. Mm -hmm for, uh, uh, you know, allowing a time of thoughts. You just simply be a human being. Uh, so you're not trying to stop your thinking. 
uh, in that sense. Uh, another analogy he uses, I don't know if it's in this book, but uh, you know, if, if you were, if you were watching a river, a busy river, a waterway somewhere, uh, you know, like in a, a metropolis, like Philadelphia or someplace where there's, you know, hundreds of boats coming down. So those boats are your stream of consciousness. Well, you don't jump out on into the water to try to stop every boat. Right. You just simply let them flow by. And so that's what we're talking about here. Uh, uh, you know, just because thoughts come, that doesn't mean you're failing at it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's even beneficial to say whether you're failing at it or really good at it. That's not right. Well, I was even talking to someone and this is a little bit different, but, um, even falling asleep during the process. Yeah. That's not, that's not good or bad either. It's just, no, it just, sometimes it happens. Yeah. (laughs) And some will say, well, Jesus rebuked his disciples for falling asleep. Okay. Well, fine. Uh, what it really means is that you, uh, are sleepy. That's what, that's what I tell people. Your body's telling you, yeah, you need to get some sleep. Yeah, that's what I, when everyone, anyone complains to me about having fallen asleep during, uh, I, I pretend like it's some big me. I'm like, well, you know what that means, right? Yeah. And they're like, no, what? It's like, you're tired. So get some sleep. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, and they're always, they always get that like, oh, but sometimes it's yeah. that simple. A lot of times it's that simple with any, any sort of endeavor. Yeah. And in his chapter, he argues, why, why would you pull out the fourth you know, stage of Lectio Divina and emphasize that. And he would say, because we, we've gone too far into the other direction of analyzing mm, uh, and, right. and categorizing for the last 500 years, that's where, you know, we've been in the that's West. That's our, our focus. And so, so there's a need to, to just simply uh, rest in the sacrament of silence, you know, mm. so. The... Um, I feel like we've we've covered this quite a bit, but it, I feel like it's worth re revisiting. Um, but for someone that's has come across this podcast and listening to us, you know the historical stuff is is interesting, and and obviously the process is is helpful. But you know maybe maybe they are in that that um, sort of in between place where they. This idea of meditation is, you know, you and I, t- this is a better way to say it. you and I were talking about meditation and contemplation and, and sort of the, the popular thought process around it. Right. And one of the points you made to me that I hadn't thought about in a while is, is um, people in the Christian world putting that Christian meditation, right, <laughs> like yeah. making sure it's, it's, you know what I mean? And so, so maybe someone tuning into this is still, still in that world of like, you know, it's got to be Christian meditation, yeah. but regardless, somewhere in, in inside of them is, is, you know, maybe they're intrigued by this, this Buddhist idea of meditation or, you know, or now they've come across this and, um, centering prayer seems, seems interesting to them. And, and yeah. um, for those that are sort of in that in-between place or, or nervous to make the jump, so to speak, because maybe their peers will, will think a, a certain thing about them, you know, what, what sort of the, the vote of confidence or, or maybe that, that tiny, tiny first step you could, uh, uh, put your toe in the water, so to speak. And what, what advice would you lend to them? Have, you know, having you having come from that world yeah. in, in a way and, and have had your own evolution into the world of contemplation. Yeah, they would, uh, for those that are, 
and and it's and it goes to a larger issue. I think. Of course. Uh, I think most people are just terrified of silence. Mm -hmm. that, and, and that's a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And that's and so be okay with the the fact that you're afraid of silence. Mm -hmm. Admit it, because that's the human experience. Mm -hmm. uh, most people are afraid of solitude. Mm -hmm. uh, and so th those are, you know, I mean, that's, isn't that one of the biggest insults or curses in, our, in the modern day? You're going to die alone, you know, right, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. You're going <laughs> to be funny. alone. Uh, and so, so, so it's, so there's that, you know. Uh, so I would just say take, if, or if you think there's, yeah, some sort of, if you have struggles with, with superstitions of, you know, some demonic presence can attack you. If you, if you're still and you know, that kind of thing. Cause that's a real thing. It that's is a, a real, real fear. Thing. I'm, I'm laughing yeah. because I'm thinking of someone that has told me oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. specific thing. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a legitimate fear. Uh, so, so admit the fear and, and so for people that are in that boat, it's usually, uh, usually the, the scriptures are their lifeboat, so to speak. Mm -hmm. They feel safest in the scriptures, right? Okay. Uh, because that's what's been drilled into their minds, right? It's all the sola scriptura, only the Bible. Mm -hmm. So then do it with that in that context, you know? Mm -hmm. So take something like Psalm 131, you know? Okay. Uh, I have stilled and quieted my soul uh, like a newborn baby against his mother, you know? Uh, and, and just mull over a, a small passage like that that lends itself to being still, lends itself... Uh, Allow, you know, other small verses allow the, uh, I, th I think it's in Philippians again, uh, the peace of Christ which transcends all understanding will come to you. Uh, a verse like that. And so, and, and, they, and they've been doing that. People that are in that tradition are, are usually trained to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. So just keep doing it. Uh, and uh, yeah. Well, and the thing that came to mind when you were talking about the fear of silence and the fear of, um, what was the other one? You're going to die alone. Yeah, being alone, solitude. And fear of solitude is uh, the fear of inaction. So yeah. one, of, one of the pushbacks I get a lot when I'm talking to people about meditation is like, oh, well, I don't got time for that. Right, yeah. And so I, once again, I kind of um, – I start – you know, I kind of – I try to do it from the Yoda perspective of like – so I'll ask someone like, how much time do you think you, you have to spare in a day? And usually people will give you 10 minutes. They'll say, I, I, I could probably cut out 10 minutes in my day or sometimes five. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, and then I counter with, we'll set aside one minute to sit in silence. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I think that's what I would, I would say here, sort of coupled with what you're already saying is like, read that scripture, read that scripture you're already familiar with that you, you know, you feel connected to for whatever reason. Um, and then even if you have to set your alarm on your phone, you yeah. know, that, that my meditation practice, that's exactly where I started one. Cause I was afraid I was falling asleep cause I was going, <laughs> I was, I was doing so much in yeah. those first few years of, of recovery that anytime I sat down, there was a good chance I'd doze off. So I'd set alarm. So I didn't, you know, in case I doze off, but more importantly, I had convinced myself that I didn't, I didn't have time for it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and so, doing it for one minute. I don't remember if it was a week or two weeks. It's like, 
oh, maybe I could do two minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it like, it slowly, I was able to slow, I was able to see that, oh, I actually do have time for yeah. contemplation and meditation. I, I was just telling myself a story, you know what I mean? But yeah. I think yeah. fear of quiet, fear of solitude and fear of, um, because meditation seems to be, contemplation seems to be inaction. You're not being productive. All these things that, yeah. that are, you know, in, in, in the, the hustle culture of 2023, yeah. we're, we're told, you know, you got to maximize every, every second. And so, um, it appears that meditation and contemplation isn't productive. Um, but in this yearning for a higher power and this yearning for God and this yeah. yearning for a, a relationship with the Christ within, right? Um, in my opinion, who, whoever I am, um, it's an integral part. Yeah. Cause it gives, it gives, it gives me the opportunity to slow down, um, and possibly hear a little whisper from God, you know, and yeah. it doesn't always happen, but, and that's okay too. No, um, it's just that you're open. Mm -hmm. Cultivating. You know, and, the, and in the, the wellness world, I'm sorry. Did I no, 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 no. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just thinking in the, in the wellness world, uh, you know, there are people who've, who will say, you know, and they go to their yoga class and, and they'll do, you know, what they usually call it mindfulness. They use the Buddhist mm -hmm. terminology and, and they'll feel like they, and they'll, you know, they'll write on their social media, usually how much peace they have. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. But then there are those that, that have this legitimate issue. And I think it's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately it's all of us, but it's all, you know, in different degrees. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons you might be resistant towards silence and, and stillness and solitude is because of intrusive thoughts mm. and, and ruminating, you know, uh, you know, ruminating thinking and it gets louder if you, if you quiet down, you know, it just, it's just too loud. Uh, and I would suspect that's most people's response. Uh, and I would also suspect that half of the ones that, that uh, post on social media that their little meditation session was so relaxing. And so I think they're covering up. Uh, I think they have, I, I suspect they have just as many intrusive thoughts. And so I know that when I was a teenager and I started uh, praying for long, longer, uh, you know, minutes and right. hours, uh, intrusive thoughts was definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, it was disturbing. It was, it was, uh, I thought, you know, I must be mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm demon possessed. Maybe this is the devil. Uh, what is, you what know? they told me was right about this. Silence. Yeah, the so demons just, have got me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I would suggest that's part of the process and it's part of humanity being a human. And there are mental illnesses and, course, and conditions course, where you, you may, yeah, of course. you know, where you're really suffering, you are absolutely suffering and it's more than, it's amplified beyond a normal level, even a, uh, a sustainable level. So you would need to, you know, there are, you know, there are medic, I mean, they have medications for, uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm not pro pharmaceutical or, or anti-pharmaceutical. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. What's um, your name? But they, I mean, they have medications to help you stop pulling your hair out impulsively, mm. a specific medication for that. Right. So, there's got to be th some help, you know. Mm -hmm. 
But what I'm trying to say is, is if you just sit with your intrusive thoughts, they'll, they'll get quieter. Mm-hmm. The process will wash out and they will uh, get smaller and quieter. Well, and, and I would, with that being said, and, and they'll be, they'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. They're you know not going mean? to go it's, away. It's like a yeah, sine wave. True. You know what I mean? Early on, I think in my experience, it's the loudest early on. And then like you're saying, it'll quiet down and yeah. it, it'll be, it, it'll just fit into your practice. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll expect it in this and that. And then, and then there'll be seasons where they come back with, with, with the vengeance. Yeah. Depending and, on your circumstances and what's and, going on, you know, be upon you. And, and that's okay too. Like it's, this isn't about, uh, I, I mean, this is a played out line, but it, it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But it, 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 there are, you know, if you just think about your year, right? The season, you know, summer, fall, winter, you know, the similar things happen, you know, those same things happen in our, in our spiritual life. And, um, so, you know, you, if you've gotten to that place of, of peacefulness of the intrusive thoughts, not be, you know, seeming to have a control on you and it, it comes back. It's not like you're, contemplative practice has, has failed you or, or gone yeah. south. It just, you know, the season might have changed for whatever reason. Yeah. And, um, or, or don't walk away say it didn't do anything for me. So right. yeah, no, yeah. you're not trying to, yeah. that's not the goal. <laughs> and I would also did, suggest it didn't, it didn't work for that. That's my favorite. When I ask people about meditation, oh, I tried that. It didn't work for me. Yeah. No, so yeah. What, does, what does that mean? <laughs> and, I, and I would also suggest, you know, particularly your anxieties, your, you know, and intrusive thoughts and, and uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Not just intrusive thoughts, but uh, you mean like like the monkey mind? Super sped up, yeah, yeah. The monkey mind, uh, racing thoughts. Racing thoughts. That's what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. Racing thoughts and just you're all over the place. Chaotic thoughts. Uh, you know your schedule's playing out. I have to get this done. I have to get the, the pressures of your life. Uh, you, you again in centering prayer, you're not to fight these things. Uh, and you're not to give in to them either. Just let them be what they are. But you can channel them too with other forms of of prayer. I think uh, I think praying the Psalms, particularly the ones where the shit is hitting the fan, uh, and then and then uh, you know put your emotions through there, or even just a raw emotion. I think singing the the practice of of singing. Uh, and, and faith affirmations, you know, you're going to get my ass through this, God. Uh, I think that's therapeutic. And yeah. I think, uh, and all of that can, can be uh, helpful to, to finally enter into the rest. And I think he mentions that in the chapter, uh, John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila mm-hmm. both right. say, you enter into contemplation when you're out of words. And so, you, so just exhaust it is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. That, that's their method. Exhaust your anxieties and exhaust your intrusive thoughts and then, and your meditate, your lofty thoughts too, all thoughts. Mm. And then finally you're just out of prayers. You're out of things to say to God. Well, and I think that going back to the yoga example, moving meditations help that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I think that's one of the things that um, is, uh, they embrace fairly well in yoga is, is right. this, you know, using the physical body, try, not exhausting it necessarily, but using some of that physical energy yeah. to assist, you know, for me, I, I, I haven't necessarily, well, no, that's not true. I have found it. I have encountered it in yoga, but 
walking for me. Yeah. When I, yeah, when I get too. out walking and, and, you know, if it's, if it's a long hike or a long trail, when I get, it seems like when I get to the turnaround point, the meditation coming back, right. My mind will be racing as I'm walking yeah. to where I'm going. But then when I hit that turnaround point, there's something about having burnt off some of that physical energy that my mind sort of gets into that meditative space. And yeah. so it's the same, you know, similar to singing, similar, yeah. you know, similar athleticism, to you know, uh, weight. I know people that weight lift, yep, yep. dancing, swimming, swimming. Yeah. It's all there. So you just be more, if you're just simply add, if you would just simply add awareness and intentionality to it, uh, yeah, it becomes something very different. Mm -hmm. And don't and don't athletes, uh, uh, elite athletes, when they fail, don't they often say they got into their head too much? Yeah. And so instead of the actual just well, you know being there. Yeah, and it's yeah. even even you know when they're when they're really kicking ass, so to speak, they they're talk not, about being in the flow. Yeah, this flow. Yeah. yeah. That's and what it, we're talking about yeah. here, and uh, or or uh, Bill Moyers, in his introduction to the Joseph Campbell interviews that he did in the '80s, he says that he was at a Shinto Shinto temple in Japan, I believe, and as a tourist kind of thing, and he asked them, "Well, what are your beliefs? What do you what do you believe?" And they were confused by that question, and they said, "We don't we don't believe. We just dance." And so it's, it's, it's the ritual of dancing itself. Um, so there's all that. I, I know somebody that is really into yoga and they're a Christian, an evangelical charismatic Christian, and they wanted to introduce it to their church. And so they were allowed to do, to hold a yoga class if they called it holy yoga. And so holy, holy yoga was okay. Holy Christian yoga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, whatever works for you, you know, if you need that, Dumbo's feather, you know, did the feather really make him fly? Well, right. the rationalist would say no, but the the psychologist would say, yeah, it did. Right. Yeah. He needed the feather. So, uh, and I'm not trying to minimalize. It's just, it's just we're funny with language that yeah, way. Yeah, right. right. Well, uh, and, and so, and I, I guess um, as we do every episode, we're we're getting close to the end. But so I don't know if there's anything else from this chapter or um, about the history of contemplation that we didn't touch upon that's still still on your mind and heart um, that you'd like to touch upon before we, we call it a day? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think we're in the postmodern age. It's, it's making a, a turnaround, you know, and mm -hmm. the, the Roman Catholic Church specifically uh, saw the need for experiential Christianity, you know, mm -hmm. and to experience the, the real presence of Christ. Uh, and so they, you know, the, and this is 1960 that they, so, you know, and this is why Keating uh, took up that challenge, you know, to, to, to go back into the ancient wells and, and find these treasures and draw out that water and uh, because it can transform people's lives, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and so, so that's what we're that's what we're hoping for our spiritually transformed lives for the sake of service for the sake of of serving the world serving people serving your neighbor uh in small ways and you know large you know social justice issues yeah. well I, yeah and i think that's that's one of the the important things if you're you know if you are in a life of service um being able to go back and uh you know 
they talk about an empty cup can't can't pour yeah. to another person and so using some of these uh obviously today we're talking about contemplation meditation but just using some of these spiritual practices to to charge us back up and and to refill us and and you know and sometimes you just have to step away from things like that yeah. right and and um and be honest with yourself in that way so um beautiful yeah and it's you know with specifically evangelical christians charismatic christians it's very they're, they know that they need to pray mm. that's the this is basically in most church cultures in america right they know they they see the value of prayer but they don't do it mm. and they feel guilty about it and okay. they like to talk about that guilt uh, and so yeah i don't pray the way that i should yeah, yeah. you know uh and so and i think a lot of the problem is people i don't have anything to say to god what well, you know i sit there and so maybe you're already there that's the for contemplation then uh you know and so so just be with each other if you're if you've had a a spouse for decades it's the same thing there comes a point where there isn't a need for those those words a need for those things i mean you should at, at times be intentional yeah, don't, don't, don't but over them. the most part is what i'm saying is is there comes a point where you're in the flow again yeah and there's no uh there, there's a sense of presence to one another mm -hmm. and so simply start there then you know i don't know what to say to god well then sit in the fact that you don't know what to say or have anything to say you, no. you may not need to uh you know and I, i've i've quoted him before but meister Eckhart. Another great contemplative, whose teachings were condemned, <laughs> uh, but then reinstated. It's a kind of a funny story. Uh, a lot of these condemnations are, uh, <clears throat> such as Gnosticism and Quietism. Uh, it's funny because when you read the condemnations now from the the papacy, uh, they condemned the mischaracterization of the actual teachings. Not oh, the teachings themselves, the popularized caricature yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah. it. And so it's kind of funny. The, Insta so Meister the Instagram was, <laughs> translation yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. So Meister Eckhart was kind of one of those. He was a popular teacher. And uh, and the Spanish Inquisition started looking at his stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he split town. He R-O-N-N-F-T and ran off and disappeared into history. And they condemned his teachings, uh, but not really officially because he never made it for the trial. Okay. And so then uh, some Meister Eckhart fans, fanboys of the 21st century approached Pope Benedict okay. uh, and asked him about it. And he said, well, they, he was never formally condemned. So read away. Mute, it's a mute point. Yeah. He might have been biased because he's also German. But anyway, he said, if, if the only prayer you ever pray your entire life is thank you, that's mm. sufficient. That's all I meant to say. Well, it's, it's, I didn't even have caffeine. It's, it's, and here uh, I am charged up you are charged up <laughs> i love it uh no that's a beautiful point man just just sitting you know if 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 your prayer life today is just sitting sitting in silence saying thank you or thinking thank you or, yeah. or just you know focusing on that gratitude in your heart um it's that that in itself is a beautiful practice yeah. right and it's it's uh yeah um thank you man Thank you. It's, uh, we got another one in the bag. It feels good. Uh, once again, we're, uh, talk, we're doing Pathways to Presence, the 2023 edition, Open Mind, Open Heart by Thomas Keating. Um, a bigger discussion. The, the book is a big discussion about centering prayer. And so we're just going chapter by chapter as a roadmap for, to fill, fill us a, 
facilitate a conversation between David and I. And so uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background. Monk Drums. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com to pick up your copy of David Morrison's book, Desolate Beauty. The Please and thank you. The Book of Light and Shadow. Um, and when this is released, there should be, uh, you can actually go to Amazon. And if you got a Kindle, you can purchase the, is it? Is it called an ebook or is it called a Kindle? What's the right? Yeah, it depends. Kindle. In this case, yeah, a Kindle yeah. book, but it's an ebook. Yeah, pick up your uh, your Kindle book and, and help support us. Uh, whether you get it yourself or maybe you know know some people in your life that uh, they don't they don't like physical books. They just do uh, do the ebooks and uh, spread the word on that. So um, I think that's it. Thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Mason. Thank you, listeners. That is all.